That's so good to see all of you here today. I know that you're all here on behalf of your friends that are offended, you know, the ones that you need to help with their offense. But I hope that you do take away some, gift, um, some lessons that you're able to challenge them with and really seek to see them set free and also yourselves set free. Here on the inside cover, page three of the Revival Times, there's the details of the series as it's coming up. Um, I'm going to be kicking it off today with what does that mean to be offended? Next week, we have Kemi Ajayi. She's going to be talking about the blind spot of offense. And then on from that, we have Jono and, and uh, Chris also involved in this series. So it's a really exciting time for us as we seek to see people walk in increasing levels of freedom. There's two books that we'd like to highlight for you uh, as part of this series. One is uh, Artie Kendall's Total Forgiveness, a transformational book. When I read Artie's book on total forgiveness, it changed a number of my relationships and ongoingly changes relationships and gives me a sense of freedom. And I know that anyone that's read the book would also be enjoying freedom themselves. In addition to that, there's also John Bevere's Bait of Satan, um, and that's a really great book highlighting the dynamics of offense. The goal for us right throughout this series is to encourage you to be able to live an offense-free life. Offenses are going to come. Challenges are going to come. Not just today where we sit under a ministry, the ministry of a word and we're going to have an opportunity to respond to the word, but every single day of our lives. How do we respond to offenses that arise in, us, in our lives? How do we respond to friends that hurt us, to our boss that offends us? How do we respond in a way which continues to reveal the grace and glory of Jesus? Now, I was reflecting on different messages and previous messages that we've done on offense, because over the years we've done quite a, a few different messages on this, but today's got a, a distinct flavor. I think it's very much to do with the, the season that we find ourselves in as a church. How many of you were here for Artie Kendall's 11 o'clock service? Very challenging and powerful word. If you weren't able to be here, do um, go and listen to it. And he was going through the reasons that he believes that we are in the end times from a scriptural perspective. And there's a passage that I want to read to you. Um, the, the, the section is entitled, if you have your Bibles, uh, Matthew 24, verse 3, the section is entitled, The Signs of the Times and the End of the Age. Now, as Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. All of these are the beginnings of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you'll be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Now, there's many things there that you would recognize that are going on in the world. Nations rising against nations, kingdom against kingdoms, famines, pestilences, earthquakes, people um, in the struggles of war. All of this is going on around us right now, people declaring that they are the Christ. And Artie was unpacking each one of those. Do go back and refer to uh, his message earlier on for for a deeper treatment on that. But I'm going to focus from verse 10 onwards. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another and will hate one another. 
Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Right in the context of all of the different things that are happening right across the world, right at this point in time, I wonder if you have noticed that there seems to be a lot of offense, especially with people in the church, right at this point in time. Or maybe you haven't noticed. Perhaps your thought is that they have a justified complaint. If their partner's not treating them right, kick them to the curb. The pastor let them down, leave the church. The cell leader shouted at someone in the group, I don't want to submit to that kind of leadership. The friend who speaks badly about you, I'm going to cut them off, they're not my friend anymore. And we think that that is completely justified. If I were them, I would be mad. They are completely righteous to be walking in their righteous anger. Wrong. We're going to come back to this in the course of the sermon, but what a powerless, fleshly, Jesusless, humanistic way of life. If this is you, and I hope it's not, no wonder the love of Jesus grows cold. See, because offense, we need to identify, is a thief. Offense will lead you to break relationship, it will rob your joy, it will rob your purpose. And it will rob your favor with God. So today I'm coming to give you uh, two agendas. One is a serious warning. And the other is an invitation to walk in joy and peace. And this is a lesson not just for today, but this is a lesson for how we live our lives. Because number one, we cannot afford in our time and in the season in which you're living, this end time season, we cannot afford to carry offense. Quite literally, your walk with God is at stake. Quite literally, your knowledge and love of Jesus is at stake if you will not surrender offense. And number two, no reasonable person that I know wants to carry offense towards their loved ones. They really just want their loved one to identify and own how much they've hurt them. But the problem with that is that we make them responsible for our joy. When they finally apologize, when they finally come and make right, then we'll be at peace. Why not live in peace now? Why not walk in your joy now? Jesus has a way for us to do this because Jesus is the way. Now, as you can tell, I'm already walking a very offensive line with regard to this message because people, including myself, on our best days are not willing to admit that we're offended. Who? Me? I'm not offended. No, 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 no. Uh, I've just, um, I'm just set a healthy boundary with that person. What does that boundary look like? I'm not talking to them. <laughs> but I'm not offended. We never really want to admit that we're offended. But from time to time, along will come a preacher, and in this case, it's me seeking to reach the offended with the most offensive and liberating message in the world. It's an invitation to live, I forgive them, just like Jesus forgave me. 
This is a humbling place for us to be if we want to live a life that honors Jesus. Because what we're essentially saying is that we are submitting ourselves to the authority of the word, not being offended by the authority of the word, rather than submitting ourselves to our own values and own desires. We allow our own desires and our own values to be offended for the sake of following Jesus. Because it's him that calls us to forgive. And so before we go any further, I really need to pray for us because all of us need great grace in this area of learning to walk in forgiveness. Amen? So Father, we ask you for your Holy Spirit to be present here today. Your Holy Spirit to bring freedom to our hearts. Lord, as we uh, have the torch of the Word of God shined upon the areas of our hearts where we have held unforgiveness, where we have held offense. Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would bring us to the place of releasing forgiveness, of honoring your word, Jesus, and that we would know your freedom as a consequence of that, in Jesus' name. Now, I'm going to lay responsibility very plainly on both sides because Jesus doesn't accommodate injustice or make allowance for sin with his call to forgiveness. There are always those who are offended and there are those who do the offending. Jesus spoke of them in Luke 17 verse 1. Then he said to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. That means pay attention. Don't be somebody that gives offense. But then building on this, Jesus says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. Rebuke him. It's letting him know what he's done wrong. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in that day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. There's no excuse for behaviors which lead to offense. But Jesus did promise judgment on those who offended when they actually offend. Sometimes there is a perceived offense which we need to deal with. But when there is actual offense, Jesus promises judgment for their cases. But he always returns responsibility for your heart to you. It's not about what they did. It's about what your response is. Are you willing to forgive? Are you willing to seek to reach a brother? Are you willing to emulate Jesus? See, one of the biggest things that we are struggling with and battling with as a culture and as a society is we've been betrayed in the way that we've been taught. We've been taught as though freedom is found in standing up for my rights. And I will get my rights by going to the courts, by going to the police, by going to friends and talking badly about you. Whatever it's going to take, I'm going to get my rights and I'm going to punish you. You see, where it's letting us down is nobody's free. Nobody's free. Nobody's walking in peace. Nobody's walking in loving relationship. Nobody is practicing freedom because they're all being led astray by a culture which is counter to Christ. The culture of Jesus is love and forgive. Love and forgive. Because it's in forgiveness that we find freedom. Now what am I saying? Am I saying we should be doormats? People that forgive and don't have rights and don't get justice. No. Christians are not doormats. 
Am I saying that we should be worthy? Obviously, I'm not saying we should not be worthy. In the world, we pursue rights with no forgiveness, and we're only satisfied when people have been punished, and even then, not really satisfied. But Jesus' option is to know the rights that God has prepared for you. And these rights are to be able to walk in love, to be able to have peace, to be able to walk by faith, to live in joy. Those are the rights that God wants you to have, but we choose to fight for those rights by operating in obedience and practicing forgiveness. Let him judge. You forgive. There's one lawgiver, one judge, that is the Lord God Almighty. All the rest of us look to him for justice because our own justice is going to be a, 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 a sad failure in the sight of what he will do. So when I say we need to learn to forgive, what am I talking about? Well, there's situations that all of you will have been in. Situations with your parents, your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend, your boss, your friends, your colleagues, the preacher, your cell leader, the person that's sitting right next to you or sitting on the other side of the room from you right now because you're avoiding them. All of you are facing situations where you are offended. And Jesus has an invitation to us to walk in acts of forgiveness. Now, this walking in forgiveness is an act of faith. Think about this. The disciples, they saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus raise the dead. They saw Jesus cast out demons. They saw Jesus raise up paralyzed people, cause all kinds of amazing things to happen, miracles all the time, and they were seeing all of this happen. And then Jesus says, if your brother sins against you seven times and comes to you seven times and asks for forgiveness, you have to forgive him. You know what they say there? Increase our faith. Increase uh, can you believe it? Increase up, because they see, oh, I, I can easily see that God would do that. I can easily, I mean, God can do anything. But me, for, me, wait, me forgive? You can't be serious, God. You can't be serious. Who's going to punish them? Who's going to make sure that justice is meted out? Who's going to make sure? Sorry, how are you doing, Richard? I just got distracted, saw you there. <laughs> how are you going to make sure that they get punished for what they've done to you? How are you going to make sure that justice is served? It doesn't take faith to hate. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. It's what we naturally tend towards because we're still dealing with the works of the flesh, still mortifying the flesh, still seeing the ways of the Spirit come alive in our hearts. I watched the film just yesterday. I guess some of you will have seen it. It's a film called Philomena, a film about a mother who's uh, gave birth illegitimately. She was a single mom, and she was staying in a convent, and her child was taken away from her and sent to America and adopted in America. And she spends her life searching for this boy, and equally this boy is searching for her. And they end up coming back to the same place at different times, and the people that were there knew them both, but never, ever helped them connect. And then he died. And she was searching for him when he was already dead. And comes into confrontation with the person who knew them both and never helped her see her son before he died. And her representative is going crazy. He's angry. He is mad. He's like, I cannot believe this injustice. You have stolen from a mother who wanted to see her son. And she walks in and says, stop it. 
I don't want you representing me. I want you to know that I forgive you. I want you to know that I don't want to be like him, the guy that's angry. I could be angry at you, but I want you to know that I forgive you. Now that was moving, because this is 50 years of a woman searching for her son and forgiving the person who's robbed her of the opportunity to see him before he died. That's powerful stuff. It didn't take her faith. She didn't operate, sorry, out of hatred, which would have required no faith. She operated out of love, which required faith, which moved her to forgive. So what kind of offense am I seeking to confront here? It's anything in our lives, in our hearts, that keeps us from being able to live the fulfillment of that great command, love Jesus and love one another. Anything that can stop you from loving Jesus and loving one another is an offense that you need to deal with today. What am I saying? How far am I saying we should go? Jesus said, seven times, 70 times we should forgive. There are no if but clauses to forgiveness in Jesus' command. But you didn't know what they did to me. But you didn't know what they said about me. And you do not know the betrayal that I've experienced or the heartbreak or the broken self-esteem or the damaged dreams or the fact that I might never, ever achieve my destiny. You don't know about that. I'm sorry if you've gone through those situations. But Jesus doesn't give you an if but clause. He wants you to walk free. He wants you to be able to reclaim all of those things. And the only way that we can do that is through forgiveness. See, forgive and don't forget. I'm giving you permission. Forgive people and don't forget. Sometimes we say, hear people say, I've forgiven, but I've not forgotten. You're right. Forgive and don't forget. Don't forget to pray for them. Don't forget to pray for them to be blessed. Don't forget to pray and intercede on your knees that God would pour out his goodness and his grace upon their lives. Amen? like that. Wisdom, of course. I'm not saying go back into abusive relationships because you've forgiven somebody. Don't go back to the person that's been beating you or verbally abusing you or ripping you off, but you still need to forgive. And the reality is the vast majority of situations are not those situations. The vast majority of offenses that we are nurturing in our hearts, it might pain you to hear it, are nothing compared to the persecution of other Christians in the world, yet they're choosing to forgive. We're offended because somebody looked at us wrong. We're offended because somebody didn't say hi to us. We're offended because of something that the preacher said. We're offended because of the fact that we didn't feel loved in a particular scenario. All of these are not excuses. All of these are reasons that we need to forgive. I wonder if you've ever thought about this. What is the root cause of offense? What is the root cause of offense? I don't think you're going to like this. The root cause of offense is lukewarm or cold love in your hearts. Lukewarm love towards God. Lukewarm love towards yourself. Lukewarm love towards others. That's what the root of all offense is. Because if we have not love, 
what we begin to do is stand up for our rights. If we have not love, we begin to stand up for our values and our justice. But love covers a multitude of sins. Love causes us to be active in relationship. Love calls us to reach out to the unlovable. Love causes out to, to reach out to those that hurt us the most. If I don't tell you that the real root of offense in your heart is lovelessness, then what will actually happen is you find yourself disempowered. Disempowered for the only solution that will enable you to live life to the full. See, something I always say to my men is this, that you are most powerful as a man of God when you learn how to love. When you learn how to love the people that hurt you, when you learn how to love the people that are broken in your life, that is when you are most powerful. Because love sees imperfection. We live amongst imperfect people. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I know I'm imperfect. (laughs) None of us want to say that, I'm sure. (laughs) But the reality is, we are imperfect. And that's why Jesus taught us we need to love and we need to forgive. Because the only way that we can operate in increasing love towards one another is through forgiveness. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 is all about. How do we walk in this love? I saw an example of uh, somebody who was practicing freedom just the other day. And this was freedom the way the world does it. This fellow was on his bicycle riding down the middle of the road. I was riding behind him. He came flying past me. I'm not that quick just yet on my bike. But he was riding past me. But he's riding down the middle of the road. And this van driver just pulls up behind him and he's slowing him up. So he gives him a little toot on the horn. And the guy pulls over to the side and waits till they get to the lights and then starts shouting across. And these guys were shouting at each other so loud that all of Notting Hill Gate, the, it was just echoing off the buildings all around. What do you think you're doing? This is my lane. It's my priority. I don't care. Get out of the way. And these guys who didn't know each other, had never met each other, were verbally abusing each other to the highest level, swearing at each other because somebody was riding in the middle of the lane, driving up to a red light. I mean, seriously, what are you going to do? Run the light. But what he was doing was, I'm practicing my freedom. You know, you have offended me, so I'm just going to go all out, and I'm going to let you know that you have done wrong by me. See, everyone thinks that when they are um, being offensive, when they are being abusive, that they're just practicing freedom. I'm going to let you know that you've wronged me. But that freedom is a lawless freedom. It's a freedom which restrains the tongue not one bit. It's a freedom which enables us to offend and put people down without even thinking twice about it. And then we justify ourselves. I've heard people that justify the fact that they're offended. You know how they do it. God knew that this would happen. If God knew that this would happen, then he must be okay with the fact that I'm offended. Maybe it's God's will that I'm just not in relationship with that person right now. I mean, forget about the guy in the bike in the van. Maybe maybe it's God's will that I'm not hanging out with my best friend right now because, because they offended me. And God's using this offense. He knew this would happen. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. Are you sitting here thinking today, you know what, yeah, yeah, maybe it's God's will that I'm not in contact with my family anymore. Maybe it's God, maybe he's just engineered things in this way so that I don't have to be in relationship with them. Rubbish. What an abdication of responsibility. 
Why would Jesus ever call us to repent and forgive if he was going to make it his will that we didn't have to be together in relationship with one another? See, offense is never the will of God. It puts you in a place where you learn to be out of his will. And what are the consequences of offense? That we get held captive and we don't even know it. We get held captive outside of the plan of God and we begin to push against things. Try to open doors. Doors don't open. Try to go this way. That way isn't open to us. Try to go this way. No one's favoring us on this side. And we're like, God, what's wrong with you? I hate you now because you're not blessing me. And he's looking at you saying, all you have to do is forgive and everything that you need is yours. All you have to do is forgive and those doors will open. Those favor promotions those pay rises, those opportunities are going to open up. All you need to do is forgive. But we would rather not. We would rather keep the offense. Why? Maybe because we're proud. Maybe because there's something going on in our hearts that we're, we're, we're not willing to humble ourselves and, and come and apologize. Maybe there's a sense that we're going to lose the upper hand somehow. And yet, what are you losing as a consequence of that? Jesus' way is to walk in the perfect law of liberty. Not lawlessness, but to walk in a way where we choose to love. I wonder if you today are struggling with a heart relationship with the Lord. Do you find that your heart has grown cold to the things of God? Jesus asks us to forgive. He asks us to Restore our hearts towards one another so that we can see the fire of Jesus fill our hearts again. Oh, Gabriel, what, how dare you even judge me? What, you're saying I'm not on fire for Jesus? You're saying I'm not on fire for the Lord? I don't care, I've got all these people I'm at odds with, but I'm passionate for Jesus. I'm out there preaching the gospel. How dare you tell me that I am not in love with Jesus? What if Jesus came to you and said, um, how you going, my son? How you going, my daughter? Why haven't you forgiven so-and-so? Would you feel like your heart was on fire then? Or would you feel like it was identified that we've been missing Jesus because we've not been carrying his heart, because we've not been understanding that the heart of Christ is love and forgiveness? Now, I wonder if this affects worship in the church. I wonder if when we come into church, we're lukewarm about worship because we're lukewarm about living like Jesus would have us live. You know, Jesus said, he's forgiven much, loves much. I mean, if we understood how much we were forgiven, we come into church and it wouldn't matter what people look like around us and whether they're looking at us. We would have our hands raised. We'd be lost in worship. Tears would be streaming down our faces every Sunday if we really knew how much we were forgiven. I'm not saying that we have to be like that. Some of you might be a little bit more conservative. But what if you're here and you can't encounter Jesus. You can't experience his presence. You can't even focus on the, the worship that's going on because you're worrying about the person, thinking about how you're going to get them back, thinking about how you're going to get vengeance. And a lack of forgiveness is stealing your passionate heart of worship to Jesus. That would be a terrible place for us to be. And Jesus taught us to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And in the final verse, verse 15, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Wow. Could your love for Jesus, could your passion for Jesus be relying on the fact that you need to forgive? Could it be that because we don't walk in forgiveness, our worship is being cold-hearted? Could it be that we could be at risk of being like those people that are spoken about in Matthew 24? And then many will be offended. They will betray one another. They will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. See, the way to future-proof your life against deception and against a passionless walk with Jesus is to learn to live like Jesus, to love and to forgive, to practice forgiveness, to walk free from the snare of offense, to say, you know what, Jesus, I'm so on fire for you, and I want to pursue your way so much that even if I have to forgive the person that did this really horrible thing to me, then I'll do it because I know that I need to walk with you. I know that I want to be on that day somebody that is endured to the end because my heart has been on fire because I've practiced loving and forgiving like you challenged me to do so. That's the kind of people we want to be, isn't it? I know it's sobering, but I hope it's the kind of people that we want to be. How do we begin to measure the fruit of forgiveness? Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. We measure the fruit of forgiveness by people's active participation in the body of Christ. If you're not in church, you're isolated, you're out there alone, I'm offended with somebody, I can't come to church, you need to look for the fruit of forgiveness. Restore relationship. It doesn't mean just come and sit in the church and, I'm here because I have to be, I don't want to forsake the fellowship. And then running out. It's building active relationships. It's participating. It's restoring. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. This will change lives. Your life. You know, everybody, you know what they're doing? Hi. Please meet you. My friend over here, he offended me. You, will you believe the things he said about me? I can't believe it. Hi, hi, what's your name? Yeah, yeah, this guy over here, don't even hang out with them because you should see what they said. Hi, 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 what's your name? What's your name? And we tell everybody else about the thing that somebody has done to offend us, and we never, ever go back to them. You know what we have, hope will happen? I hope that one of these nice strangers that I've uh, talked to will be so vexed on my behalf that they'll go and tell them what they've done wrong. What is that? How disobedient to Christ and his word can we be? It says, go to him, one to another, and tell him what he's done, and seek reconciliation. 
Oh, another one. If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So the responsibility is on us in two directions. One is if someone else has wronged us, we've got to go make right with, us, with them. But also, if somebody else has been the victim of our offense and we know it, we better go find them. We better go say, I'm sorry. You know why? Because our gifts of God count for nothing until that point in time when we have made right with them. We better go search them out. Brother, I'm really sorry for the things I said to you. Sis, I cannot believe, I'm really sorry. Can we restore, can we make right? Because I want to honor Jesus. That's what this is all about. I want to honor Jesus. That's a measure of the fruit of forgiveness in your life. Finally, Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 43, you've heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you have more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The fruit of forgiveness is born out in us seeking reconciliation and us letting people know where they've offended us so we can, they can make right with us and then praying for those that we're not able to do anything about. Praying for them to be blessed. Forgive and don't forget. That's how we continue in freedom. That's how we continue to walk in Jesus' way of being free from offense. But what does freedom from offense bring to us? Freedom from offense, practicing forgiveness, brings to us walking in the will of Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.26 says that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been captive by, taken captive by him to do his will. See, not only do we get free from the devil's will, but we get free to walk in God's will for us. In James 1.25, it says, He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Not only will we be walking in the will of God, but we will be blessed as doers of the word of God. And much more than that. Now the Spirit, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. All of us want to be free. All of us want to be free to have joy and excitement and, 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 and be free to live life. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. See, following Jesus in forgiveness makes us to be like Him. Following Him in being passionate lovers of people around us, passionate lovers of God, passionate lovers of ourselves, as He commands us to, enables us to be like Jesus. I know there's people here today who have people in their hearts that they need to forgive. They have people in their hearts who they need to do justice with. They need to go and let them know or they need to go and seek forgiveness. But we want to do some work here today. We want people to engage with us here today because 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says this, the end of all things is at hand. 
Be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. I know that you have people that you want to deal with, but we want to give first an invitation to those people who have not dealt with their offense with God in the, in the first place and come to God and said, you know what, God, I, I recognize that I need to know you and your forgiveness. I need to know the forgiveness of Jesus because we can't begin to know how to let others free when we first, until we first experience the forgiveness that Jesus has given to us on the cross. So I want you to prepare your hearts. Maybe you're a Christian here today and you're thinking about someone that you want to pray concerning. We're going to come to that very shortly. But first, I want to invite those of you who need Jesus today, who say, you know what, I'm offended at the fact that somebody would die for me. I'm offended at the fact that God would even think he has a place in my life. But today, I'm turning away from that and I'm saying, Jesus, I want your forgiveness. Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So I would like for all of us to bow our heads and to pray. If you're a Christian here, pray for those around you who aren't yet Christians. But if you're here and you want Christ in your life, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. And Lord, we recognize, can't hear you. And Lord, we recognize that we have offended you with sin. And we have been offended with you saying there is no God and he does not know me. But today we come to ask you for the forgiveness that's available in your son Jesus. We ask you, Lord, that you would wash our slate clean in the blood of Jesus and that you would help us to know you and you would help us to walk in the freedom that you've prepared for us through the cross. In Jesus' name. Now, while everyone's got their head bowed, I want to invite you, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today and you know you want Christ in your life, you want to receive that forgiveness, I want to ask you to do a simple thing in a couple of seconds is to raise your hand. The reason we ask you to raise your hand is so that we can pray with you and give you a Bible and help you with the next steps in your walk with Jesus. So I want to invite you in just a few seconds to raise your hand and say, you know what, I want Christ in my life. If you can lift your hands high, thank you very much, sir, at the back, appreciate that. Anyone else? Just raise your hand right now and say, you know what, I want Jesus in my life. Thank you again, sir. Thank you, ma'am, over here. Thank you, sir. See you there. Anyone else? Stick your hand up in the air and just keep it lifted for a moment so we can see you. Anyone else that'd like to say, Jesus, I need you in my life today? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for every person that is just now made right with you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that they would have that encounter with your spirit where they know that their sin has been forgiven. And I announce to you that have raised your hands that the forgiveness of Christ is for you. You have received his forgiveness as you respond by faith. And your sins are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would take each one of them and you'd take them deeper with you, that they would know you, that they would become your disciple, that they would get, go through water baptism, get filled with the spirit, and that they would know how to follow you, Jesus, in love and in forgiveness in a way that brings you glory. In Jesus' name. All of you who raise your hands, there's a couple of people around, they'd like to give you a Bible and help you out. If you want to spend a few moments with them, uh, that'd be great if you could do that. But I want to give an opportunity for the rest of you today. The rest of you who know that you're offended. The rest of you who know that there's someone in your heart that you need 
to let go and to love them. And if you need to make right, you go and make right. If you need to ask for forgiveness, you go and ask for forgiveness. Of course, you don't have to keep accepting the same stuff. Let them know what they need to change in order to keep that relationship healthy and respectful. But you need to forgive from the bottom of your heart. So what we're going to do is give you an opportunity to invite you to stand to your feet if you want to respond today. But I want to challenge you with something. Please don't stand if you're not ready to pray for them yet. I want you to stand when you're ready to pray for them to be blessed. Okay? And if, if it's not right now, then please go home and seek God until you are ready to pray for them. Because I want you to experience freedom, not just, okay, I stood in the church, but it's the same. I want you to experience freedom as you release forgiveness by being willing to bless them, okay? So if there's someone in your heart that you know that you need to forgive, I want you to stand to your feet right now. This is all about surrendering our lives to Jesus and following the Lord, okay? So we're going to sing a, a chorus together and then I'm going to lead you in prayer. But this is about following Christ. So let's recognize His kingship first. Let's recognize His lordship over our lives and then bring those situations to Him in prayer, okay? Jesus. Your majesty intentionally say, Lord, you know what? I might be struggling right now to forgive, but I am choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to bless this person. I'm choosing for you to ask you to pour your goodness upon their life. I know that it's difficult for me to do that, but it's because Jesus, I know that you've asked me to do it. And Lord, I want to honor you here today. Lord, I want to praise you here today with my life. And so right where you are, start to forgive, start to release forgiveness to these people, start to pray for them verbally, out loud Jesus and if the rest of you know that you're sitting because you've got someone in your heart but you're not ready to forgive them just yet start to ask you, the Lord to move your heart start to ask God to change your heart towards them Lord that he would become the Lord of your life and you'd be willing to follow him in this way Jesus Lord we lift up every person Father right now that is bringing a person to you the throne room of grace. Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness that's being wrought in the hearts of people today as they release forgiveness 
to those that have wronged them. And Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, you would start to set people free. As they release forgiveness, Lord, as they follow you, Jesus, that they would start to experience freedom in their hearts. Right where you are, start to proclaim blessing over that person. Start to say, you know what, God, I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd bless them. I pray you'd move in their life, just like you've moved in mine, just like you've forgiven me. I really ask that you do something in them because they need it, because they need it. thank you, Lord, that you would release people into the fullness of your plan and purpose for them. Lord, that their hearts would be on fire for you as they walk in forgiveness, as they love people around them. Lord, that their hearts would burn with a passion for you, Jesus. And Lord, we don't want our hearts to grow cold, Lord, in this end time season. We don't want to be in deception in this end time season. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, to open the eyes of our hearts, to open us to the humility of forgiveness. And Lord, that we would walk in the fullness of your purpose and plan for us. Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in our hearts. We thank you for transformation of situations as we go home, that families would be restored. Lord, that lives would be restored, that things that have been stolen would be restored because we're walking in forgiveness out of our hearts to honor you, Jesus. We praise you and thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And everyone said, Amen.